Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Who said that? Who the f said that? There's a Tommy ass! Phone's for you. I think it's the devil. Who are these fing guys? There's a Tommy ass! We'll go to the moon event together. It's a lot of nonsense. A little nonsense now and then is relished by the wisest man. What's up, everybody? Welcome to, a, welcome to another episode of the Total BS Podcast. Another day, another dollar. What's up, Justin? How's it going, my man? I, my, well, I was having some technical difficulties, as you can see. I uh, finally got the light on, so shine the light on me. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we are another weekend in watching the Last Dance documentary. I yeah. can't wait. I, I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, hey, well, I mean, sh- why, why wait? We might as well get into it. Hey, actually, we have a lot of stuff to get into today, but before we yeah. get started, let's remind everybody that you can download this podcast every Monday morning on all podcast streaming platforms, including iTunes um, and Spotify, uh, just to name a few. And we always post that link on our uh, social media page if you follow us at the Total BS Pod. Um, that's where you can find all our stuff. Also, hey, follow us on YouTube and a hey, thank shout out to all the followers on Facebook live or on Facebook. Uh, we've crossed the 350, uh, uh, 350 follower um, mark. So uh, pretty solid right there. Keep 350 followers. Hey, keep it coming. We're trying to build this thing up uh, and give you guys content that maybe you guys want to see. So keep it coming. We appreciate all the support that we've been getting so far um, as we continue to roll. But man, we got a lot to get into today. Justin, Justin brought up a fantastic idea. Justin, what are we going to do at the end of this pod? What are we going to bring up? So it's <laughs> it was it's funny because maybe 15 minutes after last week's episode ended, I started scrolling through Twitter and then bam, Aaron Gordon diss track on Dwayne Wade. Aaron Gordon is still pissed off that Dwayne Wade gave him a nine in the final round of the slam dunk contest, which gave him a 47 instead of a 48, uh, which would have tied Derrick Jones Jr. We all know it. Aaron Gordon was robbed. It's totally robbed. Totally robbed for the second time in three attempts. I just feel so bad for Aaron Gordon. Well, Aaron Gordon's making good use of his, uh, downtime during this quarantine period, and he's making some music. I didn't know he had it in him. So we've known Aaron Gordon since, uh, you know, he was doing things down here in Tucson at U of A. I didn't know he had like this music, you know, kind of feisty personality inside him. Does he and, know? Does well, he know? He made a diss track at Dwayne Wade. So I can I mean, make a diss track. That doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> true. True. Was it good? Was it not? At the beginning, uh, we'll at the beginning of his video, he has wine. The, the only difference is mine would be just Gatorade pouring into a glass. Like, <laughs> just get it popping, baby. Which, by the way, it's Dwayne Wade's wine. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh. Dwayne Wade has his own brand of wine, okay. and Aaron Gordon was sipping it. And Dwayne Wade commented on the video and said, well, nice Wayne winery or whatever the, the name of the wine is called. <laughs> so, uh, job well done by Aaron Gordon. Was the music good? I don't know. I'll let you guys decide. I think we already got that answer, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, like I said, you know, it's uh, it's very appealing. But we're going to talk about NBA rappers uh, at the end of this stream. And, man, we got some good ones that I think a lot of people have forgotten about um, over time. And uh, we're going to bring some of that up uh, on our podcast. The cool thing about our podcast is, is we will actually have 
some of the content on there. So you'll be able to hear some of these songs. Uh, unfortunately, through the stream, we're not able to play these songs. Mm -hmm. so. And that's why you should subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. I know that's that's my main source of podcasts. I'm always going on Apple Podcasts, yeah. looking at different pods. So we are on there. Make sure you subscribe, rate us, and share with all your friends. For sure. And we're also going to have Alexis Manzanares. Uh, I think every now and then, I know Justin and I have talked about bringing up some some musical guests if we can find them or, or some some people that are on the cusp and just want a, uh, an additional platform to showcase their stuff or whatever. We're trying to build a little bit of diversity on this platform. We just don't we don't want to just talk about, you know, the X's and O's. We want to get into a lot of different things. And so um, uh, speaking of which, uh, she's not an artist, but she is a writer and she's an up and coming writer and she. She's worked for the athletics. She's worked for um, Sporting News uh, and uh, currently works for the Draft Network, uh, Alexis Manzanares. Uh, she's going to join us, and she's a clever, funny follow on Twitter. So um, take some time and take a listen to her as she comes up probably in about 10 minutes. So yeah. before we get into all that, though, Justin, Last Dance, Episodes 5 and 6, your first takeaways. I loved it. I loved both episodes uh, just because we started to see – a lot of behind the scenes footage. I don't know about you, but to me, did it seem like there was more behind the scenes footage in this episode than there were in the other parts? Well, I think they're trying to space it out a bit. And okay. I think they're trying to get to, you know, the, the, the last dance. And I obviously episode seven, I would assume is going to be almost completely about Jordan coming back and going to play baseball and stuff like that. Um, and then you got to talk about the rebuild and all that stuff in, in eight, nine, and then close it out with 10. So a yeah. cool article that I did read this week. Um, I believe it was actually your, your guy, um, from, uh, the LA times, oh, uh, Rosh Markazi. yeah, uh, wrote about how they, they just finished, or they're still trying to finish up the last parts of the last dance. And, and that, uh, um, uh, one of the producers was on his way to Spokane, Washington to interview, um, Oh man, I'm having, Oh, John Stockton and, okay. and ESPN called and said, Hey, we don't think you should go to Spokane because you might not come back because of the coronavirus um, pandemic that was um, kind of unfolding. And sure enough, the next day is when Rudy Gobert tested positive and, and all hell broke, broke loose. So um, really cool kind of stuff of how they kind of finished up this series. And um, my biggest takeaway today was uh, a couple things. Obviously the gambling thing, I thought what was a, a big thing. And, and I know I saw somebody today on Twitter as I was watching the show talk about, you know, uh, Michael Jordan was very much hated at that time. And I, and I don't really believe that. Um, I actually, as a teenager, I was a freshman, sophomore in high school uh, when this was all going down. I felt, man, you know, I really wish people would just shut up about the gambling because I don't care. I just yeah. want to watch him ball. That's it. That's all. That's what he's known for. I don't care what he does in his personal life. As long as he doesn't kill anybody or or do anything illegal, like I'm good. And people yeah. are just, you know, I think sometimes we get in our own way and we've seen other media members from time to time kind of get in their own way of a good story or a good thing that's going on because they think they're going to find or crack a clue. And, and in this case, I don't know how how relevant that really was. And once they get a little bit of dirt, I mean, they're going to ride that until the wheels fall off. So they they realized, okay, we have this this person who's this alpha male who's on this such high pedestal because Michael Jordan wasn't just a basketball icon at that time. He was a global icon. You know, after sure. signing with uh, Nike and Jordan, which Adidas really fumbled the bag Ooh. on that one, Ooh. big time. Can you imagine a world with Adidas and Michael Jordan together? That would have been. 
the world would have been totally different right now. I mean, um, we wouldn't we wouldn't know any better right now. We wouldn't know any better. Seriously, we, like, we'd all be rocking Adidas. It's exactly. Um, which makes me want to throw up because that's an Arizona State brand. Shout out some levels. <laughs> Adidas, though. I've always been a Nike guy. I've always loved Jordan. But, you know, Michael Jordan was a global icon, and mm-hmm. he was recognized everywhere. So anytime, you know, reporters got a little bit of dirt on, you know, what's going on in Michael Jordan's private life, it just it, it made it, it made it into this huge thing. Yeah. And was Michael Jordan's gambling problem a big deal? I mean, there are a lot of details that we simply don't know. But what we do know is, you know, he what he said in the documentary, he bet on himself. He yeah. bet on him playing golf. He bet on him doing these activities. It was all for him. So um, I, I don't think it, the media should have made it into such a big deal to the point where it just seemed like it was trying to to bring him down. And Magic Johnson even said that, too. It's like, you guys need to lay off this guy. Yeah. You, you really do. And yeah. The, the media just just really went after Michael Jordan. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, when, when you grant when you grant that much access, or you're um, familiar with that many people in the media, you know, sometimes you know things can get out of hand. Um, but you know, we, we've seen it personally with other other athletes, and actually, it's probably been the reverse right now, just because the limited access that we get, uh, pretty much with every team. You know, you, you can only do certain things at certain times. You can't hang around. You can't loiter around. You can't. You know, it, it's a very, um, it's a very controlled environment, and um, and so you know, I, I think I think the beginning of it, you know, and Ted Gilman actually just kind of uh, dropped a comment right now saying, "Too short of a segment on the relationship between Kobe and Michael. I would like to yeah. have seen a little bit more, probably for the future Kobe doc, though." I would say this, you know, I think when you're talking about Kobe and, and Jordan, I know a lot of people were hyped up about that. For, for tonight's episode because they thought it was going to go a little bit more in depth. I I wonder how difficult that was really to display and show, especially considering you're talking about somebody that's just starting their career versus somebody that's about to end. And they're both on almost pretty much the complete opposite coasts of each other and they're in yeah. different conferences. So you don't get to see them play each other very much, you know? Yeah. So I think Teddy, I, I agree. I would have liked to see a little bit more. I was actually kind of shocked that they had already interviewed um, Kobe. Um, and when I saw him, I got, I was like, Ooh, Oh, and, man. And, and also who knows, maybe he comes back up in part eight or part yeah. nine. Yeah. When- if it's a part that really talks about the impact Michael Jordan had on the game of basketball, you know, because generations after him, it all came, it all comes back to Mike. So maybe, you know, we start to see more Kobe footage, more of that interview. Or you start to see what's that? There's, maybe there's going to be a special edition, the after, the after uh, party kind of thing, you know, a, a special drop kind of like a sneaker drop where it's, you know, Hey, these are the, the extra footage, the things that we couldn't put in the dock or something maybe, like that. Maybe, maybe. But yeah. yeah, I definitely thought, you know, the, the beginning was awesome and seeing Kobe, it was really just great and touching to see him. I definitely want to see more of him just because, you know, Saul, you have Michael Jordan. I have Kobe Bryant. And, you know, he was this generation's global icon, the basketball player that you love to hate. And, you, but you, if you were on his side, you really just, rooted for him and, and anytime he won a championship it felt like you won a championship so yeah for sure for sure you know I, I i grew up with michael jordan that was my guy from day one like i just 
I, I idolized him. I wanted to be like him. And then when I realized I wasn't going to be six foot six or six foot seven, and then I wasn't going to be able to jump out the gym, I was like, okay, well, I, at least I can still have that competitive nature. <laughs> yeah. That was it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. and, and so I think when you, when you look at that side of him, the competitive nature, you know, when he said, um, you know, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competitive problem. You know, like, well, of course. Yeah, that's one way to spin it. And I thought Sarah Spain said said, uh, said it very eloquently. I, I think it was Sarah Spain or somebody on Twitter had talked about like, yeah, I think that's going to be my next tagline whenever uh, something bad ha- happens at work. You know, like, hey, I don't have a, <laughs> yeah, I don't have an inefficiency problem. I have a competitive problem. Like, what? No, that doesn't even make sense. Well, because they would play cards on the plane in the hotel room. And Mike wouldn't stop until he beat you. And if that meant, you know, playing five or six games of cards and losing thousands of dollars, then so be it. I mean, that's just that's yeah. just how uh, competitive Michael Jordan was. Another, you know, big takeaway from the last dance doc uh, was also the dream team and yes. the effect it had on yes. the sport of basketball and really making the NBA into this this brand that everybody just wanted to be a part of, like they were overseas and you see a lot of international people screaming Michael Jordan and, and just wanting to touch him. I felt bad for guys like John Stockton because they just had no idea who the hell John Stockton was, was over there, but everybody wanted to see Michael Jordan. I also thought it was cool too, that scrimmage that they had, which is the greatest basketball game of all time. Yeah. No, no, was that Monte Carlo? Monte Carlo. I would pay. I would pay a nice fee to watch those scrimmages in it uh, in their entirety. And that was kind of like Michael Jordan. I wouldn't say, you know, getting the torch, my, Magic Johnson passing the torch to Michael Jordan. Maybe that was a mo- if because Michael Jordan already had the torch at that moment. That was his way of letting guys like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson know. It's it's my league now. This, there's a new era. I, I think I think what I think it was a passing of the torch, and the reason why I say that is because think about Magic Johnson that just the year before. Okay, Michael Jordan just beat the Blazers in in, in six games. Okay, he's won back to back titles. So now he's he's Larry Bird and Isaiah Thomas and uh, Magic Johnson's equal now, right? And and then he's he's talking about you know Magic's playing with a bunch of you know future hall of famers on his team now he's got a squad when he lost to him in the nba finals he didn't really have that much of a squad you know he had a couple pieces here and there but you know if you're relying on sam perkins to win your games you're probably not going to do much (laughs) and so so uh but uh now he had a squad and so magic was really feeling himself until he started talking too much trash and michael was like all right bet and that was it so but as we are talking we're going to go ahead and bring in uh, Alexis Manzeneres, uh into the platform. What's up, Alexis? Hey, guys. What's up? What's going hey. on, Alexis? So, so were you able to see any of The Last Dance? Oh, yeah. I watched both episodes, of course. Fantastic. So we're, we're actually in the middle of a discussion talking about Monte Carlo and the Dream Team and how big of a, mm-hmm. how big of a machine that was. What were your ultimate takeaways from that? What a great storyteller Magic is. I'm just captivated whenever he's on camera. So I just had to had to get that out there. Um, but yeah, no, like this doc has been phenomenal. I think the access, the footage, um, going back through, you know, all those memories. Saul, I know you probably watched it all firsthand, right? But for me, I was, uh, you know, I'm just yeah. catching up 
here. Out, so. Outside the behind the scenes access, yes, I I most likely watched every little bit of that. Yes, I need <laughs> I need one part of the documentary focused on those uh, security guards with the perms. Say <laughs> the two MVPs I thought tonight were MJ's mom for kind of facilitating that Nike deal, right, or pushing him to at least go to that meeting, and the security guard that be MJ and then gave him the MJ shrug, right? Like. <laughs> uh, Brett Fair actually mentioned, uh, didn't we also hear about the college team, the Bobby Hurley led college team that, mm-hmm. that beat that team in a practice also. And yes, I did hear about that. Um, and then they played again and the result was not the same. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they got their ass kicked pretty bad. So Alexis, we brought you on to talk about a whole bunch of cool stuff. Um, and you know, kind of skewing away from the last dance doc, there's a lot of talk about, you know, obviously with this last dance doc is giving us a, a, a time to kind of reflect and think about, like, take our mind away from the fact that we don't have sports right now. Mm-hmm. These plans are starting to come out of the woodwork about how teams can come back because of this coronavirus pandemic. Uh, the first one we'll get into, let's just talk about baseball. They seem to be the kind of co-front runners with the NBA and the NBA only because they're coming to the end of the season. I'm not sure NHL is going to come back, but I'm not sure. What are your thoughts overall on baseball and their many, many different plans that they've tried to have to come back? Listen, I don't want them here in Arizona. Okay. They, <laughs> whatever they want to do, they don't need to bring all hundreds of players here to Arizona. I just Why is that? To- Why is that? It's just, well, for just the bigger picture. I don't think sports realistically are going to come back this year unless we have a vaccine and quick, uh, rapid, accessible testing, right? Like there's just too many factors. So you're going to flood people into Arizona, you know, have workers out, arena staff, hotel staff. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. Like I just can't fathom how it would be successful. I will say one of the cool things, Justin, uh, is the the three league plan or the three division plan where it was West Coast, Midwest and then East Coast. That was a little intriguing where you would keep everything on the kind of one side of the coast. So travel would be a little easier. Um, I believe in the West, it would have been the Diamondbacks and then all the California teams plus Seattle, Colorado and then Houston and and Texas, uh, which would have been really cool to see. I'm kind of on board with you, Alexis, is like. I know everybody thinks they know what's going on with this virus, but we really don't like, we don't have 1000% evidence saying that the heat does kill everything. And do you really want to play baseball outside in Arizona during the summer? Well, and that's, and that's a huge factor because if you want to play games during the day and you want to utilize all the spring training fields around the Phoenix area, they're not all shaded. So are you okay you know, starting a game at two o'clock in the afternoon in Phoenix in July or in August, yeah. you know, it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. And, you know, I understand that, you know, they have chase field and here's the thing. They don't have to worry about fan cleanup. So it's like, they could just cycle games yeah. after another in chase field, but, and then maybe utilize the spring training fields during the evening time when it cools down. I don't know, but yeah, I, I, I agree. Mean, I don't think, it- I, I think it's more likely than not more likely not. I don't yeah. know. Because it's almost 9 p.m. and I'm in my apartment sweating. Okay, so even games <laughs> would still be uh, probably not very much enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, so, okay, what about the NBA? 
the NBA. Can can they come back? Do we think they can come back? You know, and if they come back, why would they come back? Number one, number two, are they coming back with fans? And number three, what would be the ideal situation in which they would come back? Ooh, um, why money? Right. I mean, the I mean, players obviously want to play, win a championship, all that. Right. But realistically, the the NBA comes back for money reasons. Right. No, obviously no fans, um, but TV, all that type of revenue um, is huge. And uh, yeah, I think money is just probably the motivating factor there. But I just I really don't see realistically you're asking players to be quarantined from family, coaching staff, medical staff, however X amount of arena staff that are going to be there because you need, you know, some workers there for X, Y, and Z. It just doesn't seem realistic. Maybe I'm being too negative, but I also don't want to get my hopes up and wait and wait and wait. And then them finally say, Oh, there's not a season. And then be super sad. Well, Adam Silver, uh, according to Woj, Apparently, Adam Silver is uh, flirting with the idea of starting next season in December, which I would love for the NBA to kick off next season on like Christmas Day. Yeah. Just have a bunch of games starting on Christmas. Oh, my goodness. That'd be the best holiday ever. And then in that case, it gives the NBA time this year to maybe, you know, just go right into playoffs, do the draft lottery, do the draft. And then and it started its off season on a delayed schedule. I say squash it. Like I mean, what what, what are you no. trying to do? What are you trying to prove at this no. point, dude? Don't like squash it. like no. okay, okay. I, the I'm, Lakers I'm, are the number one seed of the West, man. Okay, that's why I want to squash it, Justin. <laughs> Understand my private motivation. Okay, I don't want to see LeBron again this season. I would rather him gain another year you know, and just get a little older, you know, the back starts hurting a little bit more and I don't have to worry about it. So, anymore. so the Warriors can be the worst team in the league on a down year. Yeah. It's definitely right, baby. The following year and hey. get the number one overall pick. That's yep. cool. So and the then Warriors we'll get and, and, the NBA. and then they'll get Steph Curry back and they'll get Clay Thompson back and all will be right in the world because the splash brothers hashtag team light skinned. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, my son's still got a a long way to go. You know, the Phoenix Suns, you know, they're still in rebuilding mode and trying to get their pieces. So I got to root for somebody when it's playoff time. I might as well root for those guys. And since they had a bad year, it kind of worked out pretty nice. And KD and Kyrie come back, too. So I mean, it's a stronger league. That's why you started on Christmas Day. Everybody's back. But we got to find a way to finish off this season. Oh, man, just can't put an asterisk in it. Sorry. Sorry. Global. At what point is it going to be easier to just wrap it up, right? If we get into midsummer, late summer, July. early fall, like what you're still going to play and then turn around and have a delayed season, and then what what's going to happen the next season and the next season and the next season, like like Wu Tang, like, like, like Wu Tang said, cash rules everything around me. That's what it is, and that's what it's going to come down to. When the money doesn't make sense and the money isn't right. That's when they'll move on. That's exactly when they'll move on. Because if they had a plan, they would have implemented or started to implement a plan by now. Clearly, they don't have a plan because this is something that they've never covered before. And it's taken, I mean, we've had two months. And if you can't come up with a plan in two months, I don't know what another two months is going to do. 
I don't know what new information you're waiting for. You're waiting for this curve maybe to flatten? Okay, but man, I don't know. It's it's kind of dicey. I know a lot of people would love to see the sports come back, but uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. And you know, Brett Fair actually made a comment right now saying um, if if baseball came back, then every player in the field should definitely be wearing a glove to throw, like Kurt Warner did when he was playing football for mm-hmm. the Cardinals. Um, I don't know what difference that would really make. Um, because you're still sweating, you're still, you know, coughing on you're still glove. coughing on your glove. You know, your glove is just like a hand at that point. You know, the reason why you wear a glove to the grocery store is so you can dispose of it before you go do anything else. Well, were you going to wear the glove the entire game and not touch anybody else? Like, I don't know how that's going to work. So, hey, I, uh, I do, I do know it's it's also a good way to hide buzzers if you wear a glove. Oh, <laughs> just just put one right right under there. Just let it just vibrate. The- the risk a little bit. I, I like the subtle Houston Astros shot there. Uh, okay. Get they were supposed to come here, by the way. They were supposed to be here last week. Mm. The Houston Astros are supposed to be playing the Dimebacks last week, but, uh, you know, they they got by that one. Uh, let's so move happy. on. Let's move on to the NFL draft. You know, the NFL draft last, last week uh, came and went. Um, we talked about it last week on our show. Um, but in terms of offseason, what who do you think Alexis has had the biggest offseason so far? Oh, like more than just the draft or or specifically Yeah, the- total offseason. Besides total the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, they we're not Alexis is a UW grad. Let's just put it out there. So if, if she could talk about the Sonics, I'm sure she would bring them back too. So let's just keep going. <laughs> who doesn't want the Sonics back? objective person wants the Sonics back. I mean, the Sonics are playing on Fox Sports Arizona right now against the Suns in game five, the one that they lost, just so everybody knows out there. Really? Don't change <laughs> don't change the channel, just dual stream it, okay? <laughs> but anyways. um, The best offseason. Oh, you know, uh, Tampa Bay is looking pretty good. Um, I think the Ravens had a really strong draft. I, Baltimore is going to be just – even better, I think, than they were last season, which is kind of scary to think about. Um, Cowboys are making moves. Another move today, right? Um, you got themselves another cool. quarterback. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, those are probably be my biggest three, like Tampa Bay, Baltimore, and Dallas. Are Tampa like- Bay. Justin, do you agree with Tampa Bay and why? I do, because they have the greatest quarterback of all time, and it feels like – you know, Tom Brady can kind of let loose now. He it's he's not in this like strict system where it no, no, seriously. Like I was thinking about this. Is Tom are we gonna start to see Tom Brady have fun? Like we always are so used to the smug Tom Brady, the the championship winner, the just like Duke basketball. Tom Brady is Duke basketball. Now that he's yeah. in Tampa Bay, is he gonna have that label on him? And now that he's got his buddy Gronk, who we're all very familiar with, like is Gronk going to be shirtless the entire time he's in Tampa? No, Bay? dude. No, that doesn't. That, that analogy doesn't even make sense because what? Christian Leitner was at Duke, and I hated his guts. And when he went to the NBA, I still hated his guts. I don't care. Once you're, once oh, you're you still able, hate you hate Tom Brady. Always, no, I love Tom Brady. I think yeah, Tom Brady's awesome. I, I think he's the, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time for sure. But I think there's a reason why Belichick was like, yeah, let's just check the ball down. Because I don't think you still have it there, Tommy. Well, and so maybe if he goes out there and Tom Brady's just going to lie to you, you know that Bruce Arians likes to throw the deep ball all the time. Can Tom Brady even do that? It's, 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 but see, did you have a lot of doubt in Carson Palmer 
when he first came to the Arizona Cardinals. But he was younger. Carson Palmer was 34. He was a 41. I like Bruce Arians working with Tom Brady more than Bruce Arians working with Carson Palmer. First of all, Bruce all Arians right. ain't telling Tom Brady anything, okay? And you, and you also <laughs> – I mean, what's he going to tell him? Uh, I've won six Super Bowls. What have you done, Bruce? <laughs> what? Wait, he's got a Super Bowl. Yeah, one. Bruce, one? One. As, a, as an OC with the Steelers? <laughs> <laughs> over the Cardinals in 2009. Still, still, still hurts. He's an OC. He's he's a Super Bowl winner. There, there's a level of respect between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. And I think I agree with Alexis. I, I do think they were one of the, the biggest winners of, of this offseason because they're going to be relevant now. And yeah, what, what's, what's going to be so great is people are going to start to be interested in Tampa Bay football. And maybe you're going to start to see like a, a newer brand. Like, Nobody was a Warriors fan until they started going on the run. I'm not saying that Tampa Bay is going to go on this like crazy Super Bowl run, sure. but you started to see a lot more people root for the Golden State Warriors because they were fun to watch. Maybe we see that with Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, Tom Brady can crash and burn in Tampa Bay, right? I think the the fun part is how is this going to work, right? He's not in New England. He's not with Bill. He's not with the supporting cast, you know, the, the cutthroat dynamics of the Patriots. It's not, you know, it, it – it's just a, a different dynamic. So is Tom Brady still going to be, you know, the goat or whatever you want to label him with this new roster? Uh, you know, I, it, it just reminds me a lot of when, remember when the, the lockout was happening and then the, the players came back and they, the CBA was agreed upon and, and the, they loosened the reins on the luxury tax and um, the salary cap. They, they heightened it. And the Philadelphia Eagles went absolutely nuts in free agency, they signed all these guys, and their biggest guy was Namdi Asamoah from okay. the Oakland Raiders. And they got to the first game of the season. They had an okay first game, and then they were just crap the whole season. They were like five and eleven, I think, or maybe seven and nine. Definitely not worth the salary that they were paying out to these players. And so when I look at Tampa Bay do that, I always take a step back and say, okay, you're spending a lot of money trying to get this player and that player. That's all cool. It looks sexy on paper, but. Is it really going to come to fruition? Is it really going to work? I don't know. Uh, usually quarterbacks in Bruce Arian's system take a year or two to actually like, you know, get that chemistry going. So if he doesn't do it this year, he's going to be 43 next year. And I don't know about all that. Well, and it's kind of like the Cleveland Browns last year. Like when they pieced together, you know, all those, all those great weapons on offense. Yeah. Thought, oh it man, it, it looks sexy on paper. It's going to be great. However, all those guys were kind of unproven. Like, Odell Beckham, top five wide receiver in the NFL, but still, like, what has he done in the league since he's been in? Uh, Baker Mayfield, what has he done? You look at Tom Brady and Gronk and say, okay, well, they're proven winners. Maybe they can get it done. I don't know. Wait, you just ask what Odell has done in the league and then ask what Baker has done in the league because they're, like, just on two, like, totally different. (laughs) Oh, I I, 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 is by far a way better player than than Baker Mayfield. He's proved more. He's proved more. more. But, I mean, he's going on a boat in Miami during a playoff week. Hasn't been the same since then, since he was hanging out with Trey Does Song. that even matter? Yes, does, does that even matter? It doesn't matter. The man has one playoff. Justin, <laughs> if you and I had to cover the NBA Finals tomorrow, and I was like, hey, we're going to Vegas, and we're going to do an all-night bender, I guarantee you we could still do our job the next day because you find it in you to do it. I don't care about this <laughs> it, runaway it, BS and he's on a week, boat and whatever. Unless he was doing like 10 pounds of blow before he got back to the to, to the stadium, I think he's going to be fine. 
Wasn't there another video that came out where there was like a little like white substance? I mean, the the 1986 Giants were like high all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> LT, LT had like 16 sacks that, that season. No. 15 of them were just riddled with cocaine. Come on now. You guys are wild. That's why he says that. It, that's why uh, what's the what's the Adam Sandler movie where LT shows up and he's giving a clinic to the kids? It's Water kind of boy? like a a wink to that. What's that? Yeah, Waterboy. There Water you go. Boy. Anyway, yeah. let's let's move forward to the next. Topic. Odell's awesome. Odell's awesome. <laughs> so Alexis, before you go, um, we kind of wanted to just kind of show you. <laughs> we, we we just need to talk about Josh Hart. I mean, it's it's, it's that simple. <laughs> what is bruh what are we doing out here so you know i'm going to show the clip right now um <laughs> i don't know why josh hart went absolutely nuts on his keyboard but he did and here we are going crazy uh yeah i'll let you run with it uh here's the play-by-play he's mad because he just lost at call of duty <laughs> F this game, F this game, F this game. Just, that was a keyboard. He just absolutely smashes his keyboard. And the and the funny, the best part about this is like the guys are still laughing at him behind Ooh. the scenes. And so when you, we see the replay again, he's like, F this, and he's up and he's out. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's just good old family fun right there. But why? <laughs> you look like a spoiled rich kid when you do that. Alexis? Men are the most sensitive people on the planet. Like what, <laughs> like, what happened in this video game to possess you to do that? Like, I, it, I just, I cannot understand. Alexis, do you know what a camper is? <laughs> do you know what a camper is? is a Call camper in Call of Duty. Oh, no, I've never played Call of Duty in my life. So a camper is if somebody's just hanging out in the same area with their oh. gun pointed, just waiting. And then when that's somebody runs cool. by, just bam. Because that's what I would do if I was playing. I'd be a camper. But see, <laughs> it's looked at as yeah, weak. Yeah, it's weak. As Super soft. weak. It's soft. Yeah, for sure. So when, so when somebody's camping on Josh Hart all the time, Josh Hart said, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> out, out goes the keyboard. I mean, he lost it too. <laughs> yeah, he lost it. So has people going crazy. I swear. That's funny. Hey, Alexis, we appreciate you showing up on the show today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. What's your hash or your uh, your at on Twitter? My at uh, A L and my last name M A N S A N A R E Z. Hey, Alexis, real quick, I have a quick solution to fix the NBA. Put expansion teams in Seattle and Las Vegas put New Orleans and Memphis in the Eastern Conference. What do you think? Man, you're dropping a bomb right before she gets off, man. What is wrong with you? Wait, say that again? So Seattle, Las Vegas get new NBA teams, and then you put mm -hmm. Memphis and New Orleans in the Eastern Conference. You what want you two more teams? Oh, so yes. it would make it 32 overall. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Get your Sonics back. Let, let me know. Let me know what you think. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like having more. All right, guys. All right. All right you take can, care, Alexis. All right. Thanks, Alexis. All right. That's Alexis Manzanares joining us on the Total BS Podcast. Joining us, former McDonald's All-American, longtime NBA veteran, and a member of the first three-peat for the Chicago Bulls, Mr. Scott Williams. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. Gentlemen, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm uh, very happy to be part of your program. 
So, you know, obviously there's so much going on right now with the Last Dance documentary. I mean, can you just surmise your total Bulls experience uh, when you were there? Because obviously whoever was there at the first three-peat, probably a different experience the second three-peat as we saw last week with the Dennis Rodman experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was kind of a different to see the Michael Jordan that was going to Rodman's you know, house or apartment to pick him up, to drive him to practice after a, a three-day bender in Vegas. We wouldn't have had that in 91. There was, there was no pun, no bullshit uh, allowed or, or BS. Oops, I don't know if I can say that. No BS. No, you can't say that. That's called clever brand marketing right there. You want to start over? No, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. All right. Uh, well, anyway, he was just too, too focused, too serious. I mean, it was – the intensity level for this dude was uh, off the charts. Nothing I'd ever seen uh, with any athlete that I'd watched or played with. Uh, he played with a physicality uh, and a mental toughness in October like it was, you know, round one of the NBA playoffs in 91. He was deadly serious on winning. And if you weren't all about putting in that work uh, and being focused uh, every time that you were supposed to be, he'll run you up out of there. And I understand his thought process going forward because the guy was all about winning, all about competing, all about getting to the highest level. And he knew Rodman could do that. And that dude was wired a little differently. So he changed his tune some after he had already had three rings on his fingers. But uh, that wouldn't have been going on back in that 90-91 season, I guarantee you right now. Uh, what was so different between the Chicago Bulls when you were there and all the other organizations that you ended up joining throughout your career? Well, I think the professionalism. Uh, I was quite lucky. I come in as a undrafted rookie trying out for the last spot on that Bulls roster in 1990, um, not really knowing what to expect uh, about the NBA game. Um, and I got lucky that I was with professionals. And not just good NBA ball players, true professionals in Paxson, Cartwright, and Jordan, um, a young Phil Jackson. Uh, those guys taught me how to be a pro. And that was the biggest thing that I saw lacking uh, in other franchises and other locker rooms and coaching staffs that the Bulls just had something that was special there. And they were able to do it year in, year out year out and build that dynasty they had the pieces in place of course it always helps to have the greatest player to ever put on a pair of basketball shoes <laughs> scott I'm, I'm curious what was it like having phil jackson as a coach and doing all those yoga sessions and doing things that <laughs> coaches wouldn't normally do with players yeah it was, a little bit, it was a little bit different that's for sure some of the yoga stuff came a little after i was gone but i know that uh you know he would give out books to players that uh, to read they kind of was supposed to be designed to speak to you he would burn what he would say incense uh in the film session uh and we were sometimes wondering if that wasn't more of a masking agent than anything else you know phil grew up in the, the 60s and the 70s bro so who knows but big chief triangle was uh in there uh lighting on fire uh, so, but you know i got it before he had his first championship so he was still leaning heavy on text winners for the uh, information about that triangle and how it could work and how it could work with the pieces to surround around michael and johnny bach from the defensive scheme uh, you know, he had two really good veteran coaches around him to help him become an even stronger head coach. But uh, that was the greatest thing that they, they just really had a, a level of professionalism. 
uh, Phil Jackson, um, really understood that I need to get in touch with the players from a personal standpoint to let them know that I have their best interests. It wasn't like Dean Smith where he was like a father figure to all the young guys that came to school there that, you know, he took from the parents and said, hey, I'm going to make sure your kid gets a good education, blah, blah, blah. You know, he was still a pro about it, but he tried to find a connection with guys, whether it be Pippen uh, or Grant, you know, kind of country guys or myself being from Los Angeles or Whoever, wherever you might, you know, DBJ being from the Detroit metro area. So he always tried to find a connection with guys so you could have that bond that we were one team with one goal. Uh, you know, Scott, everybody has an MJ experience, right? You know, Steve Kerr and obviously the altercation there and uh, Dennis <laughs> Robin and obviously the 48 hours in Vegas and telling him <laughs> he ain't coming back. Um, what was your like, what was what was the most memorable MJ experience that you that you have? You know, for me, I got a couple. Uh, I, I lost my parents just three years prior to a murder-suicide. Uh, and to have a guy kind of take me in as a North Carolina family member, uh, have me over his house while I need his wife time would cook, you know, spaghetti dinners. I didn't know a soul in Chicago living in an apartment out. and They stuck me all the way out in Wheeling, Illinois. You know, there's a place rolled up at 8 o'clock. So it was nice to have a place to go where I felt comfortable warm, and welcomed. Um, that was, that was huge. I, uh, I, I just can't put into to words how much that, that meant to me to make me continue even those days where I wasn't getting a lot of playing time and it didn't seem like I, uh, the coaching staff was connecting with me that helped me push through. That was, that was huge. But the biggest thing that I really did was I, I see, I had a chance to play one-on-one -on -one with Michael Jordan after practices, um, which was pretty damn cool for a guy who's, you know, undrafted here you are playing with, not only the best basketball player, but probably the biggest athlete, maybe the biggest personality uh, in the world at the time. And uh, he wants to improve his low post game. So he grabs you after practice almost on a daily basis to work on playing, uh, you know, pick up, pick up the game basically one-on-one -on -one from the free throw line down so he could improve his games like, uh, in the low post so he wouldn't have to drive to the hole so much against the Detroit Pistons and take all that beating from the outside. He wanted to be able to post up and uh, be more effective from the free throw line down. Well, Scott, you and Michael Jordan were actually uh, – you guys were a part of that North Carolina fraternity. Did he right. have any impact on you going to UNC, or, or how? what was the ultimate deciding factor? No, actually, you know, uh, he didn't have an impact on me going to UNC, but um, another North Carolina guy, James Worthy, who I idolized, was playing for the Lakers out in Los Angeles where I grew up. Uh, and he did make a call and talk to me a little bit about Coach Smith and the university. Not a whole lot about the basketball program itself, but uh, tell me a little bit about the man. Um, but Jordan had a huge influence on getting me to the Bulls. I was When I was undrafted, he invited me to come play in a pickup basketball game he had for some campers that his buddy did in Greensboro. Um, and so they had a bunch of pros there. So I jumped at the chance if I'm going to try to make it to the pros, I need to play against pro talent. Played well enough. I was on Jordan's team. Played well enough. Uh, they got him the ball late in the game where he hit the we're down one. He hits a game-winning shot to win the game. So I made just enough impression on him that he, he put a little bug in Jerry Krause's ear to give me a look-see after the draft when I wasn't drafted. Hey, all that matters is you know who to get the ball to when it matters. That that's how you stay around in the NBA as long as you did. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mama didn't raise no dummies, man. <laughs> hey, Scott. 
largest bet you've ever made with Michael Jordan, if any? <laughs> well, listen, MJ, MJ had all that Nike contra- shoe contract money, even though the Bulls weren't paying him what he's worth. So he had plenty of decades. I, I, I was making a middle contract every year. I played in the, in the poker games and the blackjack games, but uh, I played within my limits, that's for sure. So I, 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 most I probably ever put down on a, on a hand of blackjack is probably 50 or 100 bucks, I'd say. Okay. <laughs> Sweating a little bit on the plane, like, oh, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> you know, I wasn't making, I wasn't making the millions like those other cats were. <laughs> I mean, so far in this Last Dance documentary, is there any? Has there been anything that has surprised you, or anything that um, that kind of brought back a little bit of the memories? Yeah, I, I've been so impressed with the access that the film crew had in '98. It's different now. I mean. You know, with the internet and uh, social media, the access that the TV rights have gotten now, they want, you know, Mike and the coaches and um, players. But you didn't have that, you know, back in 1991. So to be able to go back and see some of the things that we used to do and say prior to leaving the locker room or just before taking the floor, uh, those are the kind of cool things. There was a thing Cliff Levingston did in the first two years, you know, he'd say, hey, what time is it? As we were all together and we'd all respond, it's game time. You know, I was like, I, I totally remember that. I was like, because after Cliff left in 92, that was my job, you know, to, to uh, say what time is it and get everybody fired up. Like, okay, so whatever else you had going on in your personal life or uh, with your contract or uh, beef with minutes or whatever, that gets put aside. Thanks again to Scott Williams for joining us today on the Total BS Podcast. And uh, before we go, Justin, I mean, hey, we have something special lined up. So, what, like, am I just listing off like a bunch of rappers, basketball yeah, players? I mean, yeah, w- w- I mean, you want to go with top well, five? Okay. No, right. let's not go top five. You just talk. Go ahead, son. Okay. Well, <laughs> the reason why this all started, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Aaron Gordon released a diss track to Dwayne Wade called Nine right. Out of Ten. Saw you in the hallway, you say young and put on a show. Didn't know that's the cold but you're about to get rolled. Even Adam Silver told me I deserve the gold. It's a, a jab at him for giving him a, a score of nine when he should have given him a perfect 10 to tie Derek Jones Jr. And then, you know, they go into another round or it's I, just tied. I, I got you right here, buddy. I Aaron, got you right here. And he starts off the video pouring some, you see right there, Wade wine. <laughs> which which i think is already you know a, a great easter egg right there and you know eric gordon's just kind of, you know kind of kicking back like man i'm wearing these nice glasses i'm re-watching the dunk contest watching taco fall put his arms behind his head he can't believe the dunk i just did and then aaron gordon goes into the diss <laughs> and he's wearing Wade. a fur coat that's the thing that's just kicking me off right now I mean, you got the zebra in the background i know there's some stylists out there and there's some nice you know interior decorators uh but can we hang up the zebra and the cheetah patterns please because i'm not feeling that at all <laughs> well and every single time i see those prints i think of damn carol baskin every single time i see a cat print i just think of carol baskin shout out tiger king carol baskin oh man so aaron gordon dropping the diss track uh it was okay i didn't love it uh but hey whatever He's uh, he, having fun with it. He's having fun with it. That's all that matters. And, you know, we're always going to support our U of A guys because that's where that's our, our alma mater. So absolutely. Um, and then moving on, <laughs> uh, I got a, a nice special one that, um, you know, kind of goes all the way back. Uh, and trust me, I, I, I was 
as emotional as anybody else about Kobe Bryant. But that doesn't mean that he was the best rapper. <laughs> R.I.P. Love you. Uh, that doesn't mean that he was the best rapper. So in the spirit of that, we got to talk about one of his rap videos that he came out with. He has another one that was with Brian McKnight also. Um, but we we decided to not play that one. We decided to play this one. Which is just amazing. <laughs> it's just amazing. I mean, Kobe, what are we doing? You know what I mean? And so. the, the, the lyrics, it's I, I get what you know Kobe Bryant's trying to do. He's trying to keep this clean image but have fun while doing hip hop. You know, the what was the last uh, great Philadelphia rapper at the time? It was Will oh, Smith. I don't know. Uh, right? Wasn't it? No, Allen Iverson actually dropped a CD before this. Also, AI is a rapper too. Oh yeah, AI is a rapper too. So, yeah. Okay, but but Kobe, very clean guy, not gonna say any cuss words to ruin his image. Could and, you imagine Michael Jordan doing this? Oh no, not at all. <laughs> no, no, and, and and a part of me wants to know, like, when did Kobe Bryant get into that similar mindset as Michael Jordan? Because he, I mean, he was doing his thing here at the time like this is early 2000s kobe bryant so you know they're winning championships at the time but i what separates kobe bryant from michael jordan i don't know yeah I because mean, they have they have very similar mindsets so when did kobe bryant get that mindset like michael jordan yeah i mean i, I mean I, I think they all get it at, after a little bit and when they realize you know like how, how seriously they want to take this game and stuff like that so um and then uh you, you got another one you have Mr. Diesel. Oh yeah. Oh, of course I got Mr. Of course I got Mr. Shaq. Shaq. Diesel, man. Kobe Bryant's counterpart. Do you want me and, to shoot it? Yes, let's go for it. No, Shaquille. Uh, you you failed that that epically. What's that? that? Uh, that's one oh, of his rap songs. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Totally went over oh my head. Oh my gosh. Totally this went guy. over my head. But Shaquille O'Neal. I, he definitely, he's definitely on the Mount Rushmore of basketball players to cross over into the hip hop industry. Would you say? Oh yeah, absolutely. I he's one of the first ones that actually like kind of went mainstream because he was he was decent. Um, you know, he wasn't the greatest, but you know, he could put he could put some lyrics together and you know and put it together in a, in a style that that was uh, you know it was pleasing to the ear, if you will. Uh, it wasn't bad at all. And I remember when this first came out and it was just like, even the beat, the beat is, is half the battle when you have a good beat and it doesn't sound generic. And like some guy was just in his basement throwing it together. Like, like I can make a beat on my phone. That doesn't mean I'm all of a sudden the next Russell Simmons, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and I think that helped out Shaq a lot too. Um, I, I don't think Def Jam was on his label, but, uh, but he, he did a lot of cool stuff. And he put out records. Like people could go out and buy, a Shaq CD or a Shaq diesel cassette tape. Yeah. Also the, the kicks, the shoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which so. I, which I applaud him, man. 
a lot of people joke around saying like, oh, you can only find his kicks at like Walmart yep. or Ross, like places like normally a lot of people, if they get, you know, sneakers, they're going to go to the foot lockers. They're going to go to sh- stores that are known for selling shoes. Shaq wanted to put his shoes in Walmart. So a lot of underprivileged kids, they could have the opportunity to wear his shoes. And he took that with pride, which for I thought sure. was really cool. For sure. No, absolutely. That's a, that's a good point there. And then finally, um, I think, I think the greatest rapper, um, that's ever come out of the NBA and still is in the NBA is uh, we mentioned him earlier, Damian Lillard. Um, I don't think there's another guy out there. Marvin Bagley's kind of close now because you know they those two went at it this summer and had a had a nice little battle back and forth. If you don't know anything about it, you should look it up because it was pretty uh, captivating there for a few weeks. Um, but I think Damian Lillard uh, was just just is he's just that dude. You know he could throw a flow together. That's why they asked him to rap at the All Star game. Um, he's no joke. He can, he can throw it together. And I I believe that he's one of those few rare ones where if he were to give up basketball, he would probably go straight into, to rapping and putting, uh, flows together. He say the goat, I come for his body, plan him cause he bought the copies. Should've just passed me the torch. I got no remorse. I beat him like Rocky. I feel the tank up with diesel. You jealous of me and I see you cause on his day, originals just can't fuck with this sequel. Well, this is a guy from Oakland, California. And like you said, if he wasn't playing basketball, he could very well be a professional rapper just because this is his passion. This is what he's worked towards. But since, you know, he's he has this great platform playing in the NBA and he's the superstar, he's able to make some music. And people are like, okay, well, I'm interested in listening to what you have to say. If you're an athlete and you want to make music, people are going to want to listen to you. Le'Veon Bell committed to the New York Jets with a terrible uh, mixtape. Damian Lillard, people listen to him, and he's actually good, so people want to listen to him more. And now he's performing at All-Star Games, like you said, and he's actually making a career out of this, which I think is really cool. Now, will that carry over once he retires? I would love to see it. It would be fantastic to see. Um, but this is this is one of his songs right here, one of his uh, rap albums. Uh, he dropped um, some stuff. I mean, he's been dropping stuff left and right all over the place. But well, And you I remember mean, that, uh, that State Farm commercial? with him rapping and he's like a little baby. Oh yeah. 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 Dropping dimes. Dropping dimes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, but uh, yeah, I mean, Damian Lillard, I think uh, he's one of my favorites. Uh, He's actually a good listen to. And and, um, I've, I've listened to his, his record several times and I have it on my iPod. That's how good I think he is. So um, yeah, man. I mean, that was a fun uh, topic for you to, to want to talk about. And uh, man, when I was doing the research on this, I couldn't believe how many guys have made a run at really doing this? Stephen Jackson, Allen Iverson, Kobe, um, Dana Barros. If you guys remember who Dana Barros is, um, there's there's so many guys. Uh, Lou Williams from the Clippers has um, has some songs out, uh, and then you your man Ron Artest, aka Metal World Peace. Same thing. There's a lot of dudes in the NBA uh, that have been have trying to, have been trying to get into that game. I believe it started back when you know really the the Shaq and Allen Iverson era where you know they really brought the the street fashion into the NBA and really changed pop culture to what you see today um and and I think for the better well and also that's why David Stern created the the dress code yeah he wanted he guys to... to look presentable rather than you know guys walking in and sitting like Kobe Bryant sitting on the bench wearing a Donovan McNabb jersey in a big old chain like he wants guys to wear suits, look like businessmen, be presentable. Yeah, he did. But then that went away when um, – uh, I'm Russell sorry. Westbrook. 
Yeah, well, not Russell Westbrook, but uh, Adam Adam Silver kind of squashed that too, oh, um, yeah. because you know it, it gave guys their personality. You know, you, you don't have much of a personality, or you can only have so much of a personality when you're wearing a suit one type of way, right? It yeah. doesn't matter what color the suit is, what kind of cool tie or vest or whatever the hat you they had to wear a collared shirt is what it was. Um, but I think now when you're seeing these guys come into the arena and you're seeing their style and their and the way they dress and the way they put themselves together, that's a that's an image that they want to put forward. And I think, you know, these guys bust their butt to try and get to the NBA to, and they're making millions of dollars. Sure. But this is also a great branding opportunity for not only them, but also for the team, because when you think when you think I'm sorry, when I think of Michael Jordan, I don't think of any other team besides the Chicago Bulls. And I don't think of the Air Jordan brand without thinking of the Chicago Bulls. Like I just think the the two are married together, and it and it helps. It helps your brand. Absolutely, no, absolutely. So, thank you guys for listening to the Total BS podcast, Justin. Make sure you subscribe to the Total BS podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Also, check us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure you like us and share with all your friends. Yeah, and we, we got some cool things in store for the next couple of weeks. So please, please, please keep following us. We got some cool stuff coming up. I promise you it's only going to get better, and it has been getting better every single week. Uh, we're like a fine wine, Justin. We just get better as we go on. That's right, baby. All right. Till next time. Peace. Peace.